As we stand, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would once again come among us by the power of your spirit and speak to us. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand, and the wills to apply that which you may have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. When you pray for other people, what do you pray for? Maybe you pray for your children or one of the children in Sunday school or in the youth program. Maybe you pray for a nephew or a niece or a godchild or a friend. I wonder, do you pray that such a one will grow up to be rich and famous? Do you pray that he or she will go to Harvard and become a lawyer, a doctor or a business magnate? I doubt it. I think it's much more likely that you'll pray for those you love to be safe, that they will get on with their families, that they will find joy in their lives, that they will come to know the truth about God. And as I was saying to the children earlier, that's actually how Jesus prayed for his disciples, and it's how he prays for you and for me. Well, this morning, we're going to take a look at how we should pray. And the model for this, for this morning, is the way that Jesus prayed for us. On the night before Jesus was crucified, we encounter Jesus praying. And the extraordinary thing about his prayer is that he's not praying in the way I suspect that many of us would pray. I think I would pray in such circumstances. Jesus is not praying for deliverance or strength or help for himself. No, he is praying for his disciples and for us. In fact, had we read one more verse, it it actually spells it out that he's not just praying for the disciples there, but for all those who would come after who would believe. And he prays for four very specific things. He prays First, for us to be protected. Second, that we'd be united with one another. Third, that we would have joy. And fourth, that we would know the truth. I want us to take a look at each of these requests and see how we might pray them for our loved ones and for one another. And how we might live in response to this. First, Jesus prays for protection. He prays in verse 11, Holy Father, protect them. And Jesus is explicit on this occasion in verse 9 that he's not praying here for the whole world in general, but on behalf of the disciples and those who would follow. Jesus is very conscious that his time in the world is drawing to a close. Verse 11, and now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Holy Father, protect them. But what is it that he's asking that we be protected from? Why does God pray for protection in the world? Surely the world is a beautiful, awe-inspiring, wonderful place filled with people made in the image of God. That's true. But it's not the whole story. Indeed, the world can be a scary place. Not just because bad stuff happens, but because the world 
has been spoiled by sin and selfishness. And because of that, the world we live in is a world in which daily we face danger from the powers and the forces of evil. Jesus prays specifically that we will be protected from the evil one. Verse 15, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. Now, this is not the stuff of children's fantasy novels. No, this concerns reality. The powerful forces and person of evil that is present in our world. There is more to our world than just the material. You know, it's great this past uh, Thursday evening to see Laura Hanger be baptized. Smiling over there, good. And after she was baptized, the bishop made the sign of the cross on her forehead as he said these words. Laura, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Well, in the Church of England, at that point in the liturgy, the priest or bishop says, fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil. This is serious stuff, and we need to pray for one another. It is all too easy for us simply to drift along with the ways of the world and to fail to appreciate just how far the world has gone awry. But how are we protected? Well, Jesus tells us, he prays in verse 11, Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me. What does that mean? What's in a name? Does it mean that if we just say, Jesus, all will be well? No, at least not if we think that Jesus is some magic slogan. So what is so special about the name of Jesus? Who can tell me what the name means? What does Jesus mean? Louder? Okay, I'm hearing lots. I'm certainly hearing the one I was looking for, which is Savior. Yet the name Jesus means Savior. Jesus is the one who saves and protects. And Jesus spoke in verse 12 of guarding the disciples that none of them, save Judas, would be lost. The name of Jesus is powerful. For he is the savior of the world. So no matter what crises we may have to endure, no matter what may go wrong in our lives, the message is clear that God will protect our eternal destiny because Jesus has secured that for everyone who puts their trust in him. But it's not just that ultimate and eternal protection that we seek from God. For we can also experience his protection now as we do battle daily against sin, the world, and the devil, as we fight valiantly. It is as we let the truth he has taught us through the scriptures dwell and remain and take root and flourish in our hearts and in our minds to shape our thoughts and actions that we are prepared for battle, that we are prepared to stand firm no matter what may come. Okay, that's the first prayer for protection. The second prayer that Jesus prays for his disciples and for us is a prayer for unity. Jesus prayed, Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that 
they may be one as we are one. You know, that's another profound and remarkable prayer. The unity that Jesus is praying for is not for warm, fuzzy feelings. It's not for social camaraderie. It's not for complete agreement about everything. Rather, it is that we may be one as God is one. Did did you hear that? It's remarkable. Our God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in perfect unity, tri-unity. And Jesus prays that we may experience that kind of unity. God is the perfect example of authentic relationship. And one of our tasks as members of the body of Christ, as members of his church, is to be united with one another in authentic relationships. So how are we doing with that? When someone says to you, how are you? Do you typically respond, oh, fine, thanks, and you? Now, I know there's a, there's a time and a place for that. That's okay. But really, we for whom Jesus prayed that we may be one as the very Godhead is one, don't you think we should be doing a bit better than that? Next time someone at church asks you, how are you? It's okay if you answer, well, actually, I'm struggling a bit. Or, please, could you pray for me? Now, of course, that assumes that the person asking how you are is actually interested in your response. In this prayer for our unity, then, Jesus is challenging us, I believe, to be authentic with one another. So when we ask someone how he or she is, we need to listen to what they say. And when we are asked, we need to be willing to take a risk and answer the question honestly. Now, I thank God that such authenticity is present here in our midst. But I think we could do with more of it. And I believe that if we will be authentic like Jesus is asking us to be and praying that we be, we will experience the kind of unity that Jesus is praying for. So, by way of an example, if you are interested and you ask me how I'm doing, I'll tell you. Do you want to know? Okay. Well, I'm feeling rather weary. And I'm worried about my nephew, Tom. Yesterday, he was life-flighted to Miami from Ecuador, where he's been working with a mission team sent out from England, and he's become very sick. And I'm concerned about my brother and my sister-in-law and my niece and my parents. And in my work, I feel like I'm I'm spinning plates or, or, or juggling balls, and I'm hoping that none of them fall and break. Oh, and by the way, I'm not asking you to fix any of this. And there's no need to panic. You don't need to call the bishop. I'm not cracking up. It will be enough that you asked and were interested and that you'll pray. And I know many of you are, and I'm very grateful. Does it bother you that I should talk like this? I hope not. You see, I'm not the Teflon rector. I think one of the challenges from Jesus' prayer for us is that we need to start to be more vulnerable, more real, more united.
I want to do that. Are you willing to? Real unity in the church really matters. And it's important because it is by being united that we can best face the assaults of sin, the world, and the devil. And it is important so that others who do not know Jesus or do not believe what we believe may come to know by our love. Furthermore, our unity as Christians is itself a victory over the devil since part of his strategy against us is to divide, to breed mistrust and second-guessing and disunity. I think there are typically two things, uh, probably lots more than that, but at least two things that typically threaten real unity. One is the kind of nice, disinterested, polite, respectable superficiality that can creep into our dealings with one another. Well, let's not do that. Being part of the church is not about looking good or acting like we have it all together or that we have all the answers. We don't. We all have stuff and baggage and brokenness. Authentic unity comes out of being able to admit that and to recognize that we need Jesus to be our savior. And we need one another. Frankly, we're not as good as we look. Another way that our unity is threatened is when we get sidetracked into fighting over things that divide us, but which ultimately don't matter. And when that happens, we will be ineffective Christians and an ineffective church. We would do well to remember and practice the uh, age-old Anglican slogan, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, diversity, and in all things, charity. Let me say that again. In essentials, unity, in non-essentials, diversity, and in all things, charity. Charity, by the way, is an old-fashioned word which means love and grace. So let us pray for unity. That's one of the things we should be praying for. And that prayer is focused not on peace and harmony for its own sake or unity at any price, but rather on the unity that Jesus demonstrated, the unity that is based on his name, Jesus who is our Savior and Lord. Unity that is based on all that he has revealed to us about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, so the first prayer was for protection. The second prayer was for unity. The third prayer that Jesus prays for us concerns our joy. Verse 13, we find Jesus praying that they, or that's us, may have my joy, that's Christ's joy, made complete in themselves. And again, this is an extraordinary prayer. Remember the context. Jesus is praying about our joy on the very night before his own crucifixion. The kind of joy that Jesus speaks of is a joy that comes from having complete trust and security in God the Father. I wonder when you think of a Christian, is the first thing that comes to your mind a person who is joyful? The Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, a number of years ago said this. Members of the Western Church exhibit boredom, greed, 
and indifference. Too many people are hereditary Christians who have inherited their belief from their forebears as if it was something obvious. He went on to say, Western Christians must recapture a sense of joy and wonder at the nature of God and to learn from countries where faith is newer and more vibrant to recapture the expectant joy of Christ. Jesus wants us to have his joy made complete in us. And this needs to be real and not some fake veneer. And so we can pray to that end. Of course, there will be many things that will assault and assail us that will come against that joy. But as Christians, we can know and experience and exhibit a joy that comes from deep contentment in God. The fourth and final concern that Jesus prays for his disciple is about truth. Jesus prayed, sanctify them by the truth. I believe that when we pray for meaning in our lives, God will hear and answer that prayer if we will look to him to find that meaning, to find truth, rather than looking everywhere else. Now, of course, we may look to our families or our work or our friends to give us meaning, and that's not a bad thing. Indeed, it's a wonderful gift from God when we have work that satisfies and challenges us, when we have families in which we can love and be loved. But these things are not ultimate things. If we look to our work or families or whatever else to satisfy our deepest longings for meaning, we will be disappointed because only God can satisfy that. Ultimate meaning transcends all our temporal experiences and is to be found in knowing the truth about God, in knowing Jesus. Sanctify is one of those religious words that means to make holy, to be set apart. That is what Jesus prays for you, that you would be set apart. But note this, it's not that you be set apart for your own sake, not so that we can belong to some nice religious holy club. Jesus expressly says that he is not asking God to take us out of the world. Instead, he speaks of our being set apart for the task he's given us to go into the world. Jesus says that that task is that of being sent out into the world with this message of truth. So Jesus prayed for our protection, our unity, our joy, and for us to be set apart, to stand out and to go into the world with his message of truth. If you want to pray as Jesus prayed, this is what it should look like. We should pray for protection, especially for spiritual protection each day, that we might fight valiantly against sin, the world, and the devil. We should pray for real and authentic unity in our relationships one with another, in our families and amongst our Christian sisters and brothers. And alongside our praying, we need to practice this. We should pray thirdly for joy, that joy that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let us pray that God would produce more of that fruit in us. And finally, 
we should pray for truth. Pray that God would reveal more and more of his truth to us and help us to stand out as those who are set apart for Christ, sharing his truth with grace to others. So help us, God, we pray. Amen.